Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 11, beginning at verse 32. This is from uh, the account of Jesus and Lazarus, the death and the raising of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. John chapter 11, verse 32 is where we start. I'm reading from the ESV. And I always think, even, even if you're reading from a different version, sometimes I like the I like that difference, to follow along. You can, it's, it's possible to do, to listen to the person who's reading, even if they're reading a different translation, and to see some of the nuances of the language and how various translations of Scripture handle the text differently. John 11, verse 32. Now, when Mary came to see where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around so that they may believe you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him. And let him go. This is the word of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ready to come on up? I want to pray for you before you speak to us. We get to pray for the hearing of the word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servant that you have called and prepared to speak to us. We pray this morning that we would know your presence in our hearing. We pray that we would not take this exercise lightly. We are privileged to gather together and to listen and to be attentive for what you would say to us as a body and to us as individuals. We pray that you would convict us. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, call our attention to the things that we need to hear, even if we didn't anticipate them, particularly then. We pray above all that you would call us to respond to what you have done for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with Grady now and grant him your favor as he speaks to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me again. I, uh, I always feel like I'm the one that gets blessed when I come and preach at Sutherland. Um, Every time I, I'm, I'm here, I always feel more encouraged than 
the last time. So thank you so much. As Todd says, um, today in the Anglican tradition and in many other churches, we celebrate All Saints Day. Now, um, I don't want you to be too alarmed about this. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I want you to know that I didn't grow up as an Anglican. And uh, if growing up in church, if a collared clergyman had come in to speak to us about saints, I would have been very um, upset <laughs> and worried. Uh, but uh, saint is a biblical word, and the communion of saints is a biblical concept. And today, that's the, the topic that we're going to be talking about today, is what is a saint according to the scriptures? All Saints Day is a good day to ask, what is a saint? Usually, when we use the word saint, we're referring to one of the heroes of the faith. We're referring to uh, someone who we perceive to be a great example of holiness or godliness. We think of St. Francis or St. Patrick or... Uh, the Virgin Mary. These are figures with halos uh, enshrined in stained glass and shrouded in legend. The scriptures, however, give us a slightly more earthy definition of sainthood. And this morning, I'd like to look at the question, what is a saint in light of our gospel reading for today from John 11? Uh, so if you have your Bibles, please have them open to John chapter 11 and we'll work through that. How does this famous story of the raising of Lazarus answer the question, what is a saint? I'd like to offer three possible answers to this question from our text. And the first answer, number one, very simply, is that a saint is a friend of Jesus. Or perhaps more correctly, a saint is one who has been befriended by Jesus. Look at verse 11 of chapter 11. Uh, this is a little bit before our reading. After saying these things, Jesus said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. In this section of the gospel, John takes great pains to convey the strengths of Jesus' affection for Lazarus and for Lazarus' sisters. John writes in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When Jesus arrives in Bethany and sees Mary weeping, verse 33 says that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And at last, Jesus arrives at the tomb of his friend. Verse 35 contains only two words. Jesus wept. His weeping was so impassioned it caused those around him to exclaim, See how he loved him. How mysterious and moving it is for us to see the Lord of the cosmos, the one John earlier in chapter 1 calls the Logos, the Word, the central governing principle of the universe, weeping at the tomb of his personal friend. Why is this significant? It reveals to us that God desires intimacy with his creatures. Yes, God is the sovereign almighty, transcendent, beyond all comprehension, ruling with majesty and power over all that he has made. That is true. But he is also imminent, close, 
And as the hymn writer says, he is the lover of our souls. I believe the idea of God as a friend to be quite unique to Christianity. And I think even the disciples couldn't have really grasped this, this idea. God was their master, and they were his unworthy servants. But then Jesus comes along and says to them in John chapter 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you what? Friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. He has opened his heart to them. Friendship indicates intimacy, closeness, dearness. A saint, then, is one who is intimate with Jesus. But friendship also indicates advocacy. When someone is down and out, we often say, oh, so-and-so could really use a friend. A friend is someone who is on the side of another, an advocate. In his first letter, St. John writes that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In verse 13 of John 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. We know from John 1.1 that Jesus laid down his life for the whole world. Therefore, in the cross, Jesus extends the offer of friendship to all, to everyone, to you and to me. A saint is one who accepts the offer and so becomes a friend of Jesus. Secondly, a saint is one who has come under the influence of Jesus. When Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus, he asks Martha to have the tomb opened. At first, Martha is reluctant because she doesn't have a clue what Jesus is up to, and we can hardly blame her. <laughs> Imagine if someone took you to the graveyard and said, dig this up, or <laughs> let's, let's have the casket up here, you know. It's no wonder. But after encountering Jesus and his purposes... Martha yields to his wishes and goes along with him. Look at verse 38 again. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? And here's the turning point, verse 41. So they took away the stone. Though she was opposed to him at first, Martha ultimately yields to Jesus and comes under his influence. This is what it means to be a saint, to go along with Jesus. St. Paul develops this point further, and this is a really important point of clarification. For the Christian saint, conforming to Christ or going along with Christ does not come from external influences or a, an outward imitation of Christ's behavior. Rather, it comes through Christ dwelling in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory, as St. Paul says. In Galatians 2.20, 2, Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
Now, we might be worried that if Christ lives in us, we will somehow cease to be ourselves. Have you ever worried that? If I let Jesus take over, what will happen to myself, my person? If Jesus takes over, what will happen to our uniqueness? But we need not be worried about this. St. Gregory of Nyssa uses the burning bush in the Moses story as an example and an illustration of this mystery. Just as the bush was not destroyed or burnt up when it was on fire with the presence of the Lord, so we are not consumed or destroyed when we are set alight with Christ's presence. Our individuality is not diminished when Christ lives in us. On the contrary, when Christ takes up residence in us, we become free to be the fully human individuals that God is calling us to be, unfettered by pride and selfishness and sin. Just look at the figures in Scripture. The individual personalities of Peter and John and Mary and Martha leap off the page. But they're sanctified personalities, set apart for God's purpose and burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Just think of those people in your life who you perceive to be great examples of godliness. They're the last thing from not a person. They're some of the most unique people that we know, aren't they? 2 Thessalonians 1.10 speaks of Christ being glorified in his saints. And this is what All Saints Day is all about. Christ glorified in his saints. Robert Barron uses the image of a prism. The singular white light of Christ shines through the prism of the church and refracts it into uh, a number of vibrant colors that reflect his light and his glory, each one unique. So a saint is, number one, a friend of Jesus. And secondly, a saint is one who has come under new management, so to speak. And finally, a saint is one who has been resurrected by Jesus. Look at verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's look up at verse 23 for some commentary on this. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. A saint is one who has been resurrected by Jesus. This has both a future and a present significance. All the saints who are absent from the body and present with the Lord will one day be resurrected at the last day, never to die again. This is our future hope, the bodily resurrection from the dead. But St. Paul speaks of another type of resurrection, a present reality that believers have already experienced. Ephesians 2.4 says that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what theologians call regeneration. 
It's what St. John calls being born again. We all by nature are dead. We're dead in our sins, unable to please God and under condemnation. But because he loved us, God has made us alive. He's resurrected us and made us spiritually alive in Christ. So we are able to live a life pleasing to him. So what is a saint? What are our three points? A saint is one one who is a... Come on, people. Friend of Jesus. Thank you. Okay, I thought, are they here? One who is a friend of Jesus, one who has come under the influence of Jesus, and one who has been resurrected by Jesus. Good. (laughs) Gold star. In other words, the saints are those who are intimate with Christ, obedient to Christ, and alive in Christ. Note the centrality of the person of Christ in sainthood. When we come to Christianity, we are not primarily coming to a set of religious beliefs and practices. We are coming to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word saint literally means holy one or holy person. The saints are holy people. But as we have seen, being a holy one does not consist in us building up our own righteousness or merit before God. Rather, sainthood is our given status as a result of our union with Jesus and what he has done for us. Because of what Christ has done, he has made us holy or set us apart. That's what holy means. Set apart for God. Set apart for holy things. As saints, we have been set apart for him and for his glory. Thus, the communion of saints is not a kind of all-star team of (laughs) super-Christians. It is a fellowship, a close-knit fellowship, of all those, the living and the dead, who are in Christ. That's what the communion of saints is. And so we can sing with the hymn writer, O blessed communion! Fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia, alleluia. So how do we apply this teaching? I'm going to suggest three separate applications for three groups of people, and these may overlap a little bit. The first group are the pre-Christians or the post-Christians. Perhaps you like the idea of Christianity. Perhaps you even want to be a Christian, but you simply can't believe because you perceive a lack of evidence or you hold to scientism or materialism or some philosophy that doesn't allow for the existence of God. Or perhaps you grew up in Christianity And have tried Christianity, but you just couldn't live up to the standards of morality and piety. Or you were drawn away by Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens or intellectual arguments or hypocrisy of the church. Or for whatever reason, your faith died. You're dead. Our third sermon point is especially for you today. A saint is one who has been resurrected. According to scripture... We can't argue you into Christianity. And you can't work your way into Christianity. 
becoming a Christian is literally a miracle. So my challenge for the pre-Christian or the post-Christian is this. Pray that God will resurrect you. That he will raise you from the dead. And I believe that he will. The second group are the religious people. This application is for the devout, for the religiously observant, for the disciplined ones, for the ones who rise early for daily Bible reading and prayer, for the ones who fast. This is for the ones listening to Christian radio. (laughs) Listen closely. If our religious observance is for any other purpose than intimacy with Jesus, we are in very hot water. For us, our first sermon point is especially important. Sainthood is friendship or intimacy with Jesus. The Pharisees observe the letter of the law with all of their acts of righteousness, but Jesus' nickname for them was sons of hell. Why? They were outwardly religious, but inwardly they were enemies of God. Now, I'm not knocking the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are actually the means of intimacy with Jesus. When we read the word, we encounter the living word, Jesus himself. When we come and share communion, we receive Christ. Uh, When we pray, we communicate with Christ. Uh, When we fast, we rely on Christ. When we are silent, we listen to Christ. Those are the means of intimacy with Jesus. But if we practice the disciplines for their own sake or to look like good Christians in front of other Christians or for any reason other than intimacy with Jesus, we're in trouble. For us religious types... Jesus is extending his offer of friendship to us today. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we have the pre-Christians, we have the post-Christians, we have the religious, and finally we have the cultural Christians. These are the Sunday Christians. Perhaps we've always been Christian We may have even intellectually assented to the idea of Christianity, but when we look at our life, there's no fruit there. We may say we are Christian when people ask us, what religion are you? I'm Christian. But Jesus is not our Lord. For us, the second sermon point is most important. A saint is one who has come under the influence of Jesus. One who is under new management. Listen to what Jesus himself says to us from the book of Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So which group are you in? I see myself a little bit in all three of those groups, although I must say I'm a card-carrying member of group two and group three. (laughs) But the good news for me and for you is that Jesus is the one 
who makes us holy. Jesus himself this morning is calling us to be a saint. One who belongs to him because, what he is do- because of what he has done for us. Jesus is extending his divine friendship to us this morning with his promise to make us alive and make us into the kind of people we could never become by ourselves. He is here now in his saints, in us. And the book of Hebrews says there is also a great cloud of witnesses, those who are spurring us on, those who are saying, keep your eyes on Jesus, all who have gone before us, all our loved ones in Christ, all of our grandparents and our friends who, have, who are now with him are part of that great cloud of witnesses. He is here. In his power and for his glory, let us say yes to him this morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are calling us to be your saints. And we thank you that we are saints by virtue of your cross and resurrection. We thank you for the great cloud of witnesses around your throne. And we pray that you would enable us by your spirit to cast aside every hindrance, every sin, and every weight that so easily entangles us so that we may look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We give you praise and thanks this morning for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.